Well, thank you, Brother Ed, for leading us in worship. And uh, Brother Glenn, thank you for that wonderful uh, communion thought. We really, really appreciate you. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I said, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and that you're always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And I say this every single Sunday, and I truly believe it. We believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in the entire universe. Amen. So we're thankful that you are here with us and visiting with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, I've got to say a, a special thank you for, to Brother Ed for filling in for me uh, last week. Gave a great sermon entitled, Remember Who You Are. Uh, so I thank you for that, and that freed me up to go down to San Diego to do my military training. Uh, so I was out there last week, and something very neat happened. I held a chapel service, and we had standing room only in the break room. The first time that's ever happened to me in the Army. Typically what happens is when the chaplain holds a service, you have about one or two people that will come and we just have a prayer gathering. This week I, I held a service and, and it was packed in there and I was so, so shocked. I put some pictures up on Facebook. So thank you for allowing me to go down and serve our troops. Uh, they, they, really, they really mean a, a lot to me and to you and, and they deserve our support. So, so if you can think about it this week, make sure you say a prayer for uh, our soldiers, our people in uniform, men and women. And if you see a person in the military, they tell you in the military, do something nice for them. I think that goes a long way and it encourages them. So thank you for, for letting me be, be away for, for a moment. So I, I got to say this. Um, I can't believe that the summer is already over. We were just in the summer not too long ago, and today is the first Sunday in fall of 2016, and I just, I can't believe it. Time is, is flying by, and now we're headed into the holiday season, and in a few more months, we'll be into 2017. Wow. What happened, right? But I tell you what, if, if God has been good to you this year, you ought to say amen. I said, if God has been good to you this year, you ought to say amen. Because God is good all the time and all the time. That's right. And isn't it so wonderful to be able to be a faithful member of a church that belongs to Christ? You've been blessed this year because you have been in the community of God. And I would venture to say that there is power in the community of God. In fact, I believe that the church is the most powerful institution in existence in the entire world. The most powerful institution. And you know that everything in this world will eventually cease to exist except the church, right? That's what we know. The church of God is a vessel that leads us to eternal life. The church is God's hands and feet in the world. The church is designed to be a reflection of Jesus to other people. And the church has always been an institution that sparked change in the lives of those living in injustice and poverty and pain. The church as an institution is absolutely perfect. The only problem with the church is it's made up of people like you and I. Amen. <laughs> 
So we run into some issues from time to time, but I do believe that there is power in this community. And that's the title of the sermon this morning, The Power of Community. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and I'm not going to switch the slides just yet. So hopefully you have a copy of your Bible. There's one in the back of the pew. Many of you have your iPhones and your tablets and things of that nature. Go ahead and open it up to Romans chapter 12 looking at verses 1 through 5. And by the way, in your bulletin this morning, uh, you'll see a sermon outline. Please feel free to take that out and follow along with us as we go through the material this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The power of community. If you didn't know, the book of Romans was written by this guy by the name of Apostle Paul, and he was writing to a Jewish Christian audience that was living in Rome. And upon converting to Christ, many of these Jews thought that, hey, Christ is good and it's good to be a Christian, but we still need to adhere to the Jewish laws, the Jewish systems, in order to be right in God's sight. So you guys know all the background history, you understand that. And then Paul writes them this letter, and he says to them that faith in Jesus Christ is all that you need to be right with God. Adherence to the Jewish law was no longer necessary. And he basically said, instead of animal sacrifices, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And this made total sense to the Jews of that day who were used to doing things of this nature, right? So offer your bodies as a living sacrifice now. And if you think about it, God always wanted his people to offer him something to show how much they loved him and how dedicated they were. Whether it be an animal sacrifice to take away sin, whether it be a tithe, whether it be worship through song, something to show how much they loved the Lord and were dedicated to him. Then Paul transitions this kind of Jewish thought into this new Christian dispensation that says this, look, Christians, if you want to be pleasing to the Lord, what you have to do is you have to offer your bodies in complete sacrifice to him. And if you look through the text as we just read, it says, here's what we need to do in order to be right with God. Number one, it starts with offering our bodies to God through repentance and baptism. So that's step one. That's what we tell people when, we come, when they come to the church. Repent and be baptized and be added to the church. And then he goes on to say, look, after you're added to the church, 
You can't live by the world's standards of morality any longer. And that's what we constantly teach people when they come into the church and they're, they're new babes. Look, the world has this one standard of morality, but the Lord has another standard. You can't live by that standard of morality anymore. And then he goes on to say, make sure you trans- transform your mind. And then lastly, he says, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, and make sure you live in community with other Christians. And then he ends with verse number five, which I love so much. It says, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So I wanted to do an exercise this morning, but I'm not going to do it. But if you look to your left and to your right and turn behind, so go ahead and do that, actually do that. Look to your left and to your right and turn around and, and, and look at your neighbor, give them, a, give them a nod or whatever. I want you to know that we all belong to each other here in this church. We're family. We're all connected, right? Even if we don't know each other that well, we're all connected. We all belong to one another, right? We are not our own, and that's God's design for the church. He wants us to be connected in a a very, very powerful, life-changing way. Psalm 133 says this. Highlight this one, underline it, Write it down. How good and pleasant is it, or it is, when God's people live together in unity? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. There's something about unity that God just loves. He loves unity. He loves when people from different backgrounds, different different places in life are able to come together and be unified for one cause. God loves that. He he is thrilled when he sees, sees unity. And the church, in my opinion, is the only institution among men where it doesn't matter what your race is, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is, It doesn't matter what your age is or your gender or even your political affiliation. Amen. Our unity in Christ should be greater than anything that divides us. Amen. But sadly, what I know about America is that Sunday morning is the most segregated time during the week. The Lord wants us to be unified and connected And that's what pleases him. So when I look at our church and I see the diversity within our church, it's awesome. I love it. I love it that there's Cowboys fans in here and Raiders fans. How do we do this, right? It's amazing to me. Diversity, unity, that's what God desires from his church. And he says if we can can live in unity, if we can stick together, even though we're so different, some powerful things can happen. You know, God here in this text talks about the author talks about the, the, the oil poured on the head. If you ever spent time looking through the scripture, you know, oftentimes people were anointed with oil. Oil anointing uh, was mentioned approximately 20 times in the Bible. And oil anointing is used to signify that someone was holy and favored by God. I want you to think about that. Holy and favored by God. 
So if you look back at the Old Testament, you see people, priests, when they were going into their priesthood, their heads were anointed with oil. Kings, when they came into power, their heads were anointed with oil to show that they were holy and highly favored by God. You know, when you became a part of God's community or the church, the Scripture basically communicates to us that His grace, His grace is poured all over us. God's favor is on you. He is on us. His favor is on us as a community. His favor is upon us as a church. We are God's special possession. So I want you to think about this. Every time you're gathered together as a church family, God's, God's grace is just, is just all, all over you. He's so pleased that you're here. And he looks at you and he says, you are so special and I love you so much. You're beautifully created for a purpose. And that's why I tell people, you've got to be a part of the church. It's a powerful institution where you get to receive God's grace. And I don't know about you, I need a little grace in my life from time to time. And that's why we plead with people, hey, become a part of the church. And what does this grace look like? What does it mean to be covered in God's grace? Well, we'll get to that. Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2 says this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The church is so, so vitally important because as members of God's community, as members of the household of faith, the scripture says we get to rest. We get to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, in the church of God, we find shelter from the storms of life. And you guys remember the story of Jesus when he was on the Sea of Galilee and the, and the storm arose and all the disciples, they were going crazy. They were crying. They were worried. And guess what Jesus was doing? He was fast asleep because he said, you know what? I'm in the care of the Lord and I'll know who will provide for me and take care of me. That was the mentality and mindset. Sometimes we forget how important it is to be a part of the church. Because the scripture says if we're a part of God's community, he'll protect us. The community of God is a fortified dwelling of safety. And we can rest easy knowing God's in charge. So you know how I sleep every night? <sighs> Comfortably. Because I know God's in charge. God's in charge. So if you look at your outline, I want, I want to give you some, some practical uh, examples or some practical kind of thoughts on, on what makes this community so powerful, what makes the community of God so powerful. So if you have your outline, go ahead and flip to it, and I want you to write down some of these principles. What makes the community of God so powerful? This is a list that I compiled, and hopefully you can identify with some of these things because I think they'll, they'll, they'll make sense. First of all, you know why the community of God is so powerful? Well, we just talked about it a little bit, the power of acceptance, what I love about church so much is that anybody can come and be a part of the church. And, you know, sometimes we start off with very strict requirements, right, when people come to the church. It's like they, they have to have a checklist, that, and everything has to be checked off in order for them to be a part of the church. You notice that? We ask certain questions, probing questions. We ask this, we ask that, and we want to make sure that before we welcome you into our church that you meet these certain requirements, but as I look at Scripture, God never gives humans the authority to decide who is in and who is out. That's God's business. 
what God tells us to do is to make sure that we invite everybody to the feast. And God is in the business of deciding who is in and who is out. Uh, the church is a place where all people are welcomed. When I was thinking about the sermon this week and looking back at some of the Gospels, Jesus very intentionally went out and invited people who were not uh, of, the, of the religious uh, traditions of the day, marginalized people, tax collectors, prostitutes, things of that nature, and he welcomed them. That's the power of the church. The power of community is that everybody is welcome and everybody can be accepted. You know, um, I had something really interesting happen to me as I was traveling to the UK uh, a month ago. So I made a mistake and I decided to travel with no money. Don't ask me why, right? Don't ask me why. The story is, uh, as I was traveling over to the UK, I was going to transfer some funds into my bank account via direct deposit. So when I got over there, I wouldn't have to worry about certain things. I didn't want to carry cash, so forth and so on. The problem was, as I was inputting my bank account number, I put in the wrong number, right? I didn't know this until I landed in Paris de Gaulle, or uh, the, Charles de Gaulle in Paris. So I was in Paris, and I went to go pay for some food, and I swiped my card, and they said, excuse me, Mr. Darden, your card has been declined. I said, what? That can't be true, right? So I call up the bank institution, and I am said, where's the money? And they said, we have no record of money supposed to be, to be deposited into your account. And I said, I said what? And they went back, and they checked, and I looked at my records, and I put in the wrong number. So as I landed in Paris... I had no money, and I missed my connecting flight. So I had to spend the night in Paris with no food, starving, cold, <laughs> scared. <laughs> but I was in Paris. Eventually, I got on the plane, and I ate about 20 bags of peanuts, and I landed. You guys know about that, right? <laughs> and then I land in, in Manchester, and I'm there, and I hop on the phone, and I call the bank, and I said, you got to transfer these funds. Here's the right account and number. They said, no problem. Just know that it's going to take four days. And I said, I'm only here seven days, right? So the entire time I was in the UK, I had no money. And I was too prideful to tell anybody, right? Number one, I didn't want to tell my wife because she said, I told you so. You should have been prepared before you went over there. So I wasn't going to tell her, right? And then I didn't want to tell the people I was with because it was embarrassing. And I had my credit card, but they only take certain types of credit cards overseas, right? So I was over there. But what I love so much is you know who came to my rescue? The church, the church people, these people that I never met in the UK, British, right? So I was supposed to take a train from Manchester to London, had no money. One of the church members said, you hop in our car, we're going to drive you down there. The commute was three and a half hours. They drove me down there just to be nice. And then they said, Jason, you're not going to stay in a hotel. I was like, thank you, Lord, because I don't have any money anyway. But they said, you're not staying in a hotel. You're going to stay with us. So I stayed with them for three days in London. They took care of everything for me. And I said, where other place in the world can you find where someone can just take you and love on you and bring you in? And now I have a super, super close relationship with this couple from the UK. And they've been writing me every day, checking up on me and seeing how I'm doing. I thought that was so powerful that in the church you can find that type of acceptance. And some of you guys have stories, probably not as crazy as mine, but you have stories too where someone just welcomed you in. The power of acceptance. The church is a powerful place and it's so great to be a part of it. Second point is this. What else makes the 
the church so powerful, the community of God so powerful? Well, the power of missio dei. Missio dei. Missio dei is a Latin term. You can write this down. This is, this is neat. It's a Latin term that means the mission of God. The mission of God. We, you know, we have to constantly ask ourselves, what is God's mission in the world today? So if I was to ask you that question right now, and I want you to think about it, what is God's mission in the world? Right? And if you were to answer that question, hopefully you would say this. You would say what the Scripture says. God doesn't want anybody to perish, but for everybody to come to repentance. That's God's mission in the world. Right? We can also say that His mission is to help people who are poor and marginalized and hurting and are in pain. And you could say that's God's mission as well. So we see His twofold mission, and we have to ask ourselves, well, what's our mission then? And I believe that our mission should be the same as God's mission. So that's why we work so hard to share the truth of the gospel with other people, because that's God's heart. That should be our heart. That's why we work so hard to help the poor and the needy and those in pain and those receiving injustice, because that's what God would do. And if the church doesn't do it, who will? So we're about Missio Dei. And there's power in that when we consider what God's mission is in the world and we come alongside that mission. Thank you, Bill Knoll and Parwin and Mary Vaughn for Comfort Cafe. And for the rest of you who are active participants, and I can go around the room, uh, Don and Lauren, I'm not going to do it because don't get me started here. I don't want to get in trouble. Who work so hard to care for people. And the list goes on. Mary, let me stop. I'll be quiet. Let me stop because I'm going to get in trouble. But God made it clear to me that we've got to be about Missio Day. He did that to me this week. You know, sometimes uh, God puts situations in your way where he really causes you to just reevaluate some things. So Alicia and I were in the office uh, this week, and I don't remember what time it was. Maybe in the afternoon, we had a lady come knock on the door, uh, and she walks in very tall. She must be about 5'11". Six, was she 6'2"? She was 6'2". Uh, very, very frail and thin, beautiful, uh, long blonde hair, blue eyes, and she walks in and she says, is anything going on? And I was like, I have no clue what you're talking about, right? I said, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I said, can you be more specific? She says, I just need to cool off. I said, what you mean cool off? It's not that hot outside, but come on in anyway. She said, I need to cool off. She said, I was actually on my way to Santa Ana to buy some heroin because I'm a heroin addict. And she just came out and said it. And as we were looking at her, we saw how frail and pale and thin she was, and her hand was shaking. And so we sat down, and we began to talk with her. And I said, what's your name? She said, my name is Nicole. I said, Nicole, where are you from? She said, I'm from South Orange County. I said, Nicole, how old are you? She said, I'm 26 years old. I said, where'd you go to high school? She said, Capo Beach. Capo Valley, excuse me, Capo Valley. This young lady grew up in South Orange County, had a loving family, was educated well, and is now a heroin addict. And as we were talking with her, she was just shaking the entire time. And we gave her some food, 
and we told her, if you ever need a place to come cool off, you come right here to the church building, and we're here for you. It reminded me in a very, very vivid way. I've never seen anything like that before. 26 years old. You know what the church is about? We're about helping people like that. Not just coming and playing church on Sunday morning and leaving. And I'm so thankful to all of our church members here who have a heart to serve marginalized and hurting people. And we have a whole bunch of you here this morning that do it. And I wish I could share your stories. But that's what the kingdom of God is about, helping hurting people and sharing the gospel with them. And that's what we've got to be about. And God reminded me that in such a vivid way this week. Lastly, power of community. You know what else we receive by being a part of the church? We receive the power of divine protection. The power of divine protection. As a part of the community of God, you you are protected from a lot of stuff. The Bible tells us that in this life you will have trouble. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. In life, you will have trouble. That means tragedy will happen in your life. That means sickness will happen in your life. That means financial ruin will happen in your life. That means death will occur. However, I truly believe that God is always looking out for us if we are a part of his community. I haven't preached on this, but I really do believe in guardian angels. I really do believe that God has a host of angels that are constantly looking out for me and my family and the church. I believe that. And how do I believe that? And why do I believe that? Well, I'm going to tell you another story. Mary and I and the kids were coming home from Long Beach a couple of months ago, and it was really, really late at night. Mary and the kids were asleep. We were driving, I think, on Marguerite. And as we were crossing through an intersection, the light was green. I was just driving along. A Domino's delivery man swings out, makes a left turn, almost hits me head on. Luckily, I had enough wherewithal to swerve into the next lane, right? And then the car that was next to me had enough wherewithal to swerve over a little bit. And then I was, I was turning this way. I don't know what made me do it, but I flipped it around this way, and I felt the tires come up like this. And you know what I had? I had my precious cargo in the vehicle with me. Mary woke up and the kids woke up. Daddy, what's going on? Right? And I'm honking the horn. You know, I wanted to get out. Oh, anyway, anyway. No, I didn't. I wanted to get out and pray for him. That's what I wanted to do. Right? (laughs) Couldn't wait to get on my hands and knees and pray for him. But anyway, (laughs) I truly believe that God protected us that that evening. And if we go around the auditorium this morning, many of you have similar stories where God just showed up and took care of you, protected you, right? When something terrible should have happened. You get that as a result of being a part of God's community. Divine protection. And I don't know about you, that's what I want and that's what I need. The power of God's community is so, so amazing. I want to leave us as we close this morning with some practical application. Uh, Now that we hear all of this, What's, what's the bottom line? I want to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. The scripture says this, and you guys know this scripture. You know it well. Since we know all this and we're a part of this wonderful community, the Lord says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And here's what I really want you to focus on. You, church, you, me, all of us here are the light of the world, the entire world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Because we're a part of this wonderful community that we call the church, the scripture says we are salt and light to the world. That means we make everything better. And thank the Lord for salt. Amen? Again, I was in the UK and someone decided to have me try some black pudding. I was like, ooh, black pudding, chocolate? What, what's, what's, black, black pudding? And I ate some black pudding that day. And I said, what is this? What is this? Right? And I just put salt. And I was able to stomach it that day. You know what black pudding is? Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Yeah, thank the Lord for salt, right? Thank the Lord for light. Scripture calls us salt and light. And God asks us to do something very simple. He wants us to shine our lights and to be the salt. That's it. That's all he wants from us. Shine our lights to be the salt. Be the salt, shine our lights. So I've got some practical application for you this morning as we close. How are we going to do that this week? How are we going to be the salt and the light of the world? I want to give you a couple of things that I think you can work on this week. Great sermon, now what, as it says on your outline. Here's some things that I want you to practice this week. Put this into practice, because I don't want you to hear the message and go, oh, that was a great message. No, I want you to take the message and apply what God has been placing on your heart this week, okay? Will you do that? So here's, here's <laughs> sounds bad. I should have put this one first, but it's so true. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to, I want you to think of the meanest person you know. Oh, you, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, I was going to say write it down, but I don't want you to write it down. Okay, just, just think of the meanest person you know, whether it be at work, whether it be at school, whether it be wherever, whatever circle. Think of the, you know, that person that is just always grumpy, looks like they've been raised off of pickle juice. You know the person that I'm talking about, just always upset about something. Think of that person. <laughs> and I, what I want you to do is I want you to pray for that person this week. Will you do that? And you know the person you're thinking of right now. Will you pray for him this week? Pray for him and see what God does. Pray for him. See what God does to your heart. It may make you more empathetic, but think of that person and pray for him this week. Pray for him today. That's what it means to be the salt and the light, right? What else can you do? Here's, here's another thing that I want you to do. You know that that terribly non-religious person, friendly, friend or family member or coworker. You know that one that's just cussing up a storm and saying all kind of coarse jokes and just acting terrible? You know that person that I'm talking about? What I want you to do this week is I want you to invite them out to lunch or to buy them a cup of coffee and sit with them. I want you to do that. Why? Because the light shines the brightest in dark places. That's what we're called to do. So that, that one person, you know who I'm talking about, that, that friend at school that is just, sit with them, talk with them, and shine your light around them. Can you do that this week? And then lastly is this, and maybe you can even do this right now. I want you to send a text, okay? And if you don't have texting on your phone or, you, you know, first of all, you need to be updated, amen, but if you don't have texting on your phone, uh, Steve, <clears throat> anyway, if you don't have texting on your phone, 
if you do have texting, I want you to send someone a text message this week and tell them you've been thinking about them and you appreciate them. You can even do that right now as you're listening to this comment. Shoot a text to somebody and say, hey, I've been thinking about you and I appreciate you. Anybody. And if you don't have texting, call somebody this week and say, hey, I just appreciate you and you came up on my mind and I was just thinking about you. That's how you shine your light. And that makes a huge difference in people's lives. So I would just encourage you to think some of those principles through this week and try one or two or all of them and see what happens. See what happens. You never know how God will work in someone's life. So by way of invitation this morning, we have a song selected. Brother Ed is going to come up here in a moment and lead us in that song. But I do want to say this. If there is anyone here this morning that needs to respond to the message, we give you the opportunity to come forward. Maybe you've had some trouble in your life. Maybe you've been struggling through some things. Maybe you hadn't been living as you should have been living. We invite you to come forward. You can come and sit on the front pew. Some of our elders will be down here to pray with you, to pray for you. Or if you're not comfortable coming to the front, you can come to the back, and some of our shepherds will be back there uh, to pray for any concerns or, or things that you might have. Or maybe someone here this morning is not a Christian. You haven't been baptized yet. I would encourage you to become a Christian and to be baptized in water, and we can do that today so that you can be added to this wonderful, powerful kingdom. Whatever your concerns or needs are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art